0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for On the Money, presented by Embassy National Bank.
1: Well, welcome everybody to this week's edition of On the Money, the number one small business show on Business Radio X. Uh, The show is presented by Embassy National Bank. Uh, Embassy National Bank is a nationally chartered financial institution here in Metro Atlanta and our deposits are insured by the FDIC. On this show we discuss topics designed to help small business succeed because at Embassy National Bank we are proud of how we help small business. I'm Joe Moss, your host and the president at the bank and we welcome you to the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio and I want to introduce our Um, Our guest today, Ms. Chris Cavanaugh-Castro. We're going to be talking about um, coaching, executive leadership, and coaching. And as you know, leadership is a big topic on this show. So Chris, welcome. Thank you. Uh, Before I get into the show, though, I want to do give a shout out to our producer. I walked in today and he said, I'm going to be out the month of August. And I said, well, where are you going? And he said, well, I'm going to be doing the Olympics. So he has been I guess, hired by the Olympic Broadcasting System, which is kind of like an ESPN format. He'll be covering the Olympics, uh, doing stories on it, all the uh, a lot of the events down there, boxing, rugby, basketball. Mike, we're proud of you. Actually, I'll be a long jumper in the Olympics. That's what I'm going to be doing down there. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, this will be my third Olympics. I did Vancouver and London, and basically it's a 24-hour highlight feed. That we provide to the rights holders around the world. So if you were anywhere in the world besides the U.S., you'd probably would see the work that we do. But NBC controls all the rights here, right? And uh, so you'll block see, you out. They block us out, and you only see NBC's coverage. So. Okay. Well, trick would be that if you know how to get around and and show that your computer is coming out of anywhere but the U.S you would be able to get into the Olympic broadcasting system. Not that we're recommending you do that. Though. No, we would never recommend that you do that, but uh, I'm sure that kind of thing does occur. Probably, yes. Okay. Well, Mike, congratulations. <laughs> All right, and, well, uh, I'm sure you'll hold the fort down, Trey, and z will keep everybody, you know, tied down. And watch the mosquitoes. I won't bring any Zika virus back, <laughs> I promise. <laughs> i swear we talked about that last week i grew up in middle of mosquitoes and i don't know what the big deal is but uh, anyway good luck media hype there. media, media hype, hype is what it hype. is okay all right chris i'm sorry i just had to do that um you are the ceo and founder of BeginToShift.com. so talk about what begin to shift is
0: sure absolutely um, it's my company called is called Shift Inc. And what we're about really is change. Um, what I have found throughout my lifetime, and I'm 48, is that if you're not open to change, if you're not willing to change, you end up being left behind. And so when I created my company back in 2008, I wanted to reflect the fact that change is not a bad thing. And if you embrace it and you learn to um, grow with it, amazing things happen. And so that's why I called my company Shift. And that's what I'm all about. I help people shift to bigger and better things. Why are we
1: so afraid of some of us, why are we so afraid of change?
0: I think a lot of it has to do with our comfort zone. We get certain, we get used to being in a certain place and used to a certain thing, and stepping outside of that can be a little scary. And for certain personalities, it's a lot harder than others. And uh, depending on the type of personality you are, you either step into it fairly easily and are willing to deal with whatever happens, or you cautiously creep through it and hope for the best, or you avoid it at all costs and run the other way. <laughs>
1: can you avoid change?
0: You can't avoid it, but you can delay it. And the longer you delay it, the worse it gets often.
1: Because it's just constantly happening. So think of it as a snowball that keep builds up and then you delay it, delay it, delay it. It's going to smack you right in the face when you eventually decide to embrace it, right?
0: It's very much like procrastination. You can avoid whatever you want for a long time, but it doesn't disappear.
1: What percentage of us tend to embrace change versus not?
0: I don't think I have a percentage. I don't think it's that cut and dry.
1: I've read things that say that a whole lot more people are afraid of change than, than embrace change.
0: That I would have to agree with. It's okay. more likely that somebody would be hesitant than actually embrace and step out into it.
1: So as a, and I'll, so I call you, I guess, a change agent? Is that fine? Yes. Okay. How did you get into this business?
0: You know, I- Ever since I was a kid, I've always been a natural change agent. Um, Even when I was in college, um, excuse me, in high school. uh, Unfortunately, a family friend died when we were 17, when I was 17 uh, through a drunk driver. And it was the first time anybody significant in my life had died. And it really rocked my world and rocked a lot of people's world. And I decided I had to do something about it. And so I went and opened up a chapter of SAD Students Against Drunk Driving, and began petitioning the school and Mm -hmm doing speeches and that was my first true change agent role and um, even after that college I did a bunch of things that were kind of change agent oriented so it's been a natural part of my personality and when I became an adult uh, I did a lot of positions which were change agent types and if it wasn't the main role there was a piece of it Mm -hmm. and uh, coaching just kind of flew right into that and became a natural part of it.
1: Are change agents naturally good leaders
0: no because there's not always effective change you can make a change which isn't necessarily effective
1: give me an example of that
0: well you can have um gosh if you look in the world even world leaders you know there might be a change that might need to be done in their country but they might be stalling um, they might be doing change for selfish reasons rather than for the good of the country. Uh, you, can, you can drill that down to a company, to the CEO of a company, where changes need to be made internally to the company, but they don't want to deal with it. And so they avoid that change and the, the employees suffer because of it. So change isn't always done right. But what I think when you come into it with a good heart, with good information, with a good support system, with good uh, wisdom and feedback from people that are objective and will speak truth to you, I think change can do amazing things. So,
1: it, the whole concept of change, I guess you have to, based on what you just said, I guess you have to break it down into what you want to change into,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then make sure that what you want to change into is where you, your company ought to go. Um, and then once that done, what is done, you've then got to go back and recognize that unless you get your team to change into that new concept, the change will be a failure.
0: That's correct. Well, it, it may not be a failure as much as it may not be progressing. Okay. Um, I work. It may not
1: be as effective as it could be.
0: Correct. Correct. I've worked uh, with a team where the CEO wanted to do some major changes within the team, and some of the team was on board and some of the team wasn't on board. And it was very interesting to be part of that uh, and to watch those dynamics play out. And the ones that were on board and really wanted to make it happen saw significant progress mm-hmm. individually as well as for the team. The ones that weren't on board caused a lot of resistance and a lot of blockage. And so the team didn't advance as well as they could have. Um and as the coach, all I can do is sit back and, you know, work with each individual person, work with the team as a whole, but ultimately it's up to the team. The coach can't make the changes. The team has to make the changes. The coach just holds up the mirror.
1: If they don't embrace a change, you got to get them off the field.
0: Either get them off the field or, get them to alter, yeah. or alter their position in the team so that um, they're not as detrimental to the change.
1: And make sure their strengths fit the change and where the company needs to go
0: correct the old saying about you know make sure to have the right people on the bus and the right people in the right seats it's true you can have all the right people on your team but sometimes you may have to reorganize and change things around to make sure everybody's doing the right thing to uh, support the changes you're trying to do
1: now before the show you indicated that you had done a lot of work in the restaurant business correct and what i know of the restaurant business is it's a tough it would be a tough thing to manage. I think the people within the restaurant industry tend to be very independent, I would think, and that's got to be a tough deal to do.
0: It is a tough deal. I started out as a server, and then I uh, bumped into management, and I was a manager for a while, and as a server, uh, I grew up with a really fantastic work ethic. Um, I mentioned before we started that I started working when I was 15, Mm -hmm. and um So I really grew up understanding what it meant to work and work hard and be uh, full of integrity with your work and to honor the people above you, even if you didn't necessarily agree with what they were doing because they were the boss. And so I came in as a server and did what I needed to do, did the best that I could do and, you know, serve my customers the best that I can and had fun while I was doing it. When I worked in the management, it was kind of an eye opener to recognize that, wow, not everybody's like me. Yeah, right. You know, you've got the the servers who they're doing it just for a paycheck. It's not really their love. They're there to make money, so they come in, they do what they have to do, they go home. But there's no real drive about it. Um, and then you've got the other people who really love to be serving. They loved what they did. And so they, they were a lot easier to work with. And the worst is a manager and every restaurant, and the manager knows this. When you set up a schedule and people call out and they don't even have a good reason. And then you're like pulling hairs out, trying to fill spots instead of if your people are responsible and full of integrity, they're not going to call out for no reason. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to come into work and they're going to serve the way they supposed to. So it was very interesting to be on both ends of that spectrum
1: well and and most restaurants have a culture Mm -hmm. Um, even if it's a small independent restaurant they've got a culture correct I guess you you work for jocks and jills Mm -hmm. I guess so they had a certain culture correct so you had to kind of get everybody into that culture correct and uh, so in a lot of respects you, you had to create the change within the people in order to get them focused the right way within that particular culture.
0: Correct. And I think that Jocks and Jills did a fairly good job hiring people. It was more along the lines of uh, holding them accountable for what they were supposed to do. Not necessarily so much being a change agent mm-hmm. as much as it was um, trying to get people to be, uh, I'll continue to call it, full of integrity. You know, if you've got a shift, show up on time, do what you need to do. Um, don't call out if you don't need to call out. Cover your shift if you have to cover it. and. Again, it went back to some people were better at that than others, and the people that weren't, you know, eventually they ended up being let go because you couldn't count on them.
1: Don't you see that the team kind of pushes that kind of thing out, doesn't it? In other words, if you've got a team that you're building, and then someone's there who doesn't share the kind of values or the culture the team has, the team kind of keeps them out, don't they?
0: It depends on the team. If their role is vital within the team environment, it's not so much that they get pushed out. It's more so that things don't go as smoothly as they could. Mm -hmm. Um, Conversations don't happen to the depth they do because people know there's going to be resistance. Conflict is not going to be managed effectively. And uh, behind the scenes, there's a lot of stuff that goes on, too, that you're having to manage. Okay.
1: Um, you mentioned a couple things, values and accountability, and mm-hmm. I want to I I get back to that. But first, um, y- you like to talk about uh, within helping companies, you talk about creating and developing a CEO mindset. Mm-hmm. So why don't you define for us a CEO mindset? Sure,
0: Um, if you think about any successful CEOs, they come to the table um, with values, with integrity, with a bunch of great leadership. Yes, great CEOs do, that's correct. Um, With a bunch of great qualities. And so there's a mindset around being a CEO that has to do with how they do their job, how they function within their job, how they treat their people, what risks they're willing to take, what they're not willing to do mm-hmm. to maintain integrity with who they are in the company in itself and an ownership of what they're all about and what they're responsible for. And so that CEO mindset is so very important for any individual. And I believe my dad started training me very young for that and I didn't even recognize that that's what it was. But the more I started working, the more I started becoming who I was and developing who I was, the more I started realizing I'm developing those traits. And so what I've come to recognize is this every single person can develop a CEO mindset within themselves. They can step out so much more powerfully in their work and in their life because they're taking charge of what they're doing. They're owning what they're doing. And as a manager of somebody like that, you can count on them. The, you know, they'll stay the late hours because they know it's important, not because they feel like they're going to get fired, They'll do what they have to do because it's important to do so, and they want to do it because they care about it.
1: Okay. We are talking to um, Chris Cavanaugh-Castro, who is the owner and CEO of Shift, Inc., and we're talking about, she specializes in uh, executive and leadership coaching. And um, we're, we're talking right now about developing a CEO mindset and that everyone should develop a ceo mindset and now the way you just defined it make sure i get it everyone then should sit down and try to define kind of who they are right i mean what is their mindset what's make them tick what what do they think they're good at what do they think they're not so good at what risk can they take what risk shouldn't they take that's that's what you're talking about
0: that that is part of what I'm talking about. When I talk about the CEO mindset, I really divide it into a couple of different items. And, you know, the first item is about your perception, how you view the world essentially ends up how you fit into the world and what happens with your world. So should someone
1: then sit down and try to define for themselves, how do I view the world? That's one part. Absolutely. You may view the world. You may think you view the world a certain way, but you may not So this is where the accountability comes in, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so try to figure out it and and test yourself. How do I view the world? How do I come across in my view of the world?
0: That's absolutely right, because sometimes the way we view the world and sometimes the way we act in the world doesn't always serve us well. And so that's the objectivity part and the accountability part. Because if you want to be a certain thing or move towards a certain thing and the way you're doing it isn't working, then you do have to step back and shift. Maybe I need to think about this differently or be different or view it differently in order to get there.
1: Okay. And um, within this mindset, you said you had a couple areas. One was vision of the world. What's another one?
0: Uh, perception is the first one, how you view your world. The second is really owning who you are, which is the piece you just mentioned. Knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses, how to leverage them, how to overcome them, Uh, but mostly just accepting them. I mean, there are things that I am fabulous at. And I could do those all day and I'm just great at them. And there are other things that I just can't. And so I give those away or I delegate those away because it just drives me crazy, gives me a headache. And I'm just I'm not the right person for that. In fact, there are certain coaching engagements where when people come to me and say, you know, hey, I want coaching around this. I'm like, yeah, I'm not your person. I I don't enjoy that. I'm not good at it. Let me refer you out because I know I'm not going to serve them well
1: gosh you run into that a lot when someone is unhappy in a job Mm -hmm. because they're and they can try what they want they can try as hard as they can but they're probably because of who they are it's not bad but who they are they may never ever be happy in that job could be accountant uh trying to be a salesperson (laughs) salesperson trying to be an accountant you know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. Um, every once in a while you see something like that that works but it's uh, it's tough to be someone that you're not.
0: It is tough. It really is. I've
1: heard that you can change your spots for as much as three months.
0: I haven't heard that specifically, but I would imagine that that's probably right before you start draining and feeling the stress around it. And then all of a sudden, you know, who you
1: are starts mm-hmm. coming out. And then we get back to this this whole concept of making sure you know defining who you are, what you're good at, what you're not good at, um, how you come across. Those are important things to know. But again, you may have a completely different view than someone that you're who you can be accountable to may have a view. Mm-hmm. So you you're, and we've talked a lot about that on the show before with a CEO in terms of of. Um, how do you come across versus how do I think I come across?
0: Correct. And a, one of the assessments that you can use for that is a 360 because you're getting you know that 360 view of everything. You don't necessarily need the 360 assessment. you can, you can invite somebody like a coach into a meeting and sit down and do interviews and have that coach be a part of your daily routine for a while. And that coach can get a feel for what's going on during the interviews, during the watching and the seeing, Mm -hmm. Um, as long as everybody is on board and willing to be honest. And that's the other thing when you work with a team. Uh, When I stepped into the team environment uh, a year and a half ago, when I was working with the team internally it was really interesting for me to build trust with these people because they didn't know I was going to be hired for this. The CEO hired me, um, so they didn't ask for it. So I had to build trust with every single individual person. And some people, you know, fairly quickly trusted me and moved on and started telling me things. And we started working and making a lot of headway. And then there were other people that were like, no, and they didn't even schedule meetings with me. They didn't want to talk to me. When they did talk to me, you could just tell they were so guarded and nothing could happen with that.
1: Well, that it, it can be scary. Mm-hmm. We I worked at Citicorp for, as a result of an acquisition, I got pulled into Citicorp. They had, we called him a corporate shrink and uh, he'd call you, mm-hmm. uh, hey, I need to talk to you. And um, uh, everybody feared that call uh his name happened to be albert as a matter of fact he was a nice fella (laughs) um but um you know it was just you knew he was there because of something you had done or said you're not really sure and then all of a sudden he's in your front door Mm -hmm. going hey we need to talk so um it can be kind of
0: scary it is but for that particular individual i don't know their um their method of getting into people's lives or business But what I always found is um, you just, when I got hired by the CEO, the first thing I told him was, I want you to understand what they say to me stays with me. If they rip you apart, if they have nothing nice to say with you, it stays with me. Mm -hmm. You don't get to know any of that. And vice versa, what you say to me stays with me too. And um, he agreed and never once, which was fabulous, did he ever ask me what they were saying Um, because they knew that the people that uh, really gravitated towards what I was doing knew they could trust me. They opened up and they said what they needed to say. Mm -hmm. They talked about their struggles with other team members. And um, because I had the big picture view, I was able, unbeknownst to them, I was able to kind of coordinate opportunities for them to mend fences because i knew all sides of the story and they didn't realize that i knew all sides of the story so i was kind of a a fence mender as well and i able i was able to allow some relationships to flourish that really struggled before and i don't take uh, credit for that i take they take credit i just set up the opportunity and they were the ones that did the work um you
1: mentioned that uh um well oh this you we, by the way we have uh, the guest tends to give me some questions they want to talk about and as you know i don't necessarily stick to that question nope. but there are a couple Ask of good what ones you want. Here. i'm so open given a uh, give an example of how your ceo mindset has benefited you mm-hmm. over the last four years
0: well, the last four years of mine have been quite transitional uh 2012 started with an unexpected divorce mm-hmm. and um my life kind of went upside down from that point um you know just everything kind of rocked and um, had i not been ceo of my life at that point i really believe that i would have been so much more affected by that transition Um, That particular year that it happened, I had just released my second book, I had speaking gigs lined up, I was coaching, and when people go through a divorce, their life tends to shut down and they struggle, and I did, but because I was CEO of my entire life, I managed to compartmentalize. I I was on when I needed to be on, I worked with people when I needed to work with, I was functional, I was good at what I was doing, I networked, I went out and did what I had to do, and then I gave my permission to cry and fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was like this big balance of, okay, now I can cry and fall apart, and nope, now I've got to be on. I've got to work with my clients. I have to be there and present and functioning. Um, and I honestly believe if I had not been CEO of my entire life, the two years following that would have been way more difficult. And that's part of being um, the strength of being a CEO of your own life. Mm-hmm. It, uh, you, can, you can weather storms more effectively. You get up quicker than other people and you function better because you are cognizant of how to maneuver that difficulty and make the best of it and control what you can and let go of what you can't.
1: That's a good point. By the way, um, you know, being in the financial world, everybody went through that in Mm -hmm. 2008, 9, 10, 11, still some of it around in 12. But, um, you know, everybody, every organization changes. We talk a lot about change on this on this show and how, um, long-term plans, uh, tend to be three months in advance. Mm -hmm. And, um, we talked to good companies that have grown, but they've changed their, they've adjusted their strategy, uh, sometimes as much as three or four times a year based on what has happened on the outside. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I like what you're saying that you develop this, this mindset, this comfort with, with who you are so that you can, weather through all of that. Absolutely. You mentioned com- compartmentalize. I've read two conflicting things on that. One is is it's, it's an asset to compartmentalize. On the other hand, and I guess it's on how you define compartmentalization, but it's an effort. It's, it's good to compartmentalize, but if you compartmentalize, you're making yourself something that you're not. So that over here, uh, when you can become something, you when you have the, the ability, independence to be who you are, um, it really takes a toll on you. But I think what I heard you say is you had yourself defined. Correct. So that the you were able to function in this this environment, even though you had a lot of stuff going on.
0: Correct. I never lost the sight of who I was. I never lost the core of who I was. I merely pulled. Um, from different areas of who I was to help me at any particular moment. Um, when I needed to be a coach, I was a coach. When I needed to be a speaker, I was a speaker. When I needed to be networking and and facilitating and, and connecting and growing, I did that well. Mm-hmm. And then when I needed to cry and I needed to be upset and I needed to be depressed and I needed to just fall apart, I did that too. And I, I did it all with integrity and uh, balanced it all. Yeah.
1: Um, let's, let's talk about, um, the CEO who has, uh, maybe made a mistake. Mm -hmm. Um, these days, how is, what's the best way to handle a mistake? If you're a CEO, let's say you developed a, a goal and objective. It wasn't the right way to go. You push the organization that way and you realize, oops, that was the wrong thing to do in today's world. How do you deal with that? If you can get through the boardroom.
0: Mm -hmm. I think a good leader recognizes when they're wrong and has to admit it. Now, there's different ways of admitting it. I I don't mean that you should, you know, put out a newspaper ad and tell the entire world. But you need to do it with integrity. Um, You need to bring the people that were affected by it in and, and apologize, talk to those people and try and if you can try and. Do something to make it right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think often what upper management tends to forget is kindness, um, talking to their employees, showing them that they're valued goes a long way. And it doesn't have to be, you know, let's take everyone on a cruise. It simply has to be something personal. Um, and I, it looks different for every CEO and every employee, but I really think that good leaders know how if they if they know their people and they should be knowing their people. I mean, granted, you know, the big huge organizations that have got like ten tiers and you mm-hmm. know ten thousand locations, that's hard, right? Uh, but you should know the people that are closest to you physically and the people that are closest to you as part of your team. You should really take the time to get to know them.
1: I would say what they value so that yep. they know that you value them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I guess you know everybody talks about, oh, that's the new style of leadership, but it's really not. And If you go back in time, uh, you'll find examples within corporate america of companies that have always managed like that Mm -hmm. um and when they didn't they fell apart like hewlett-packard uh is a great example ibm was another great example intel for the longest time procter and gamble um those kind of companies had the had the executive leadership that cared Mm -hmm. uh they were humble they believed in defining goals and trying to take that culture of goals and spread it down through the organization. And most importantly, they lived what they wanted to try to create. Correct. Um, Because companies, uh, people do see, you you do live in a glass house. So people do see if you're trying to be somebody you're not. Mm -hmm. Um, You're listening to uh, Chris Cavanaugh Castro. She is the CEO of Shift Inc. She is a uh, executive and leadership coach and uh having a good conversation about leadership the ceo mindset and um let me let me ask you this what are some of the um we learn more from our mistakes so what are some of the largest mistakes that you see out there being made when you get called in and Mm -hmm. someone says help what are some of the mistakes that they've been making
0: A, a lot of it has to do with um how they manage their teams um You know, there's so many, there's, there's so much room for a a great leader to bring a team together. And if a leader isn't, uh, we talked earlier about the fact that sometimes your perception isn't the right, you know, the the perception that everyone else has. If you are not constantly looking in the mirror and seeing how you reflect to other people, you can be un- knowingly, you know, giving people a hard time or coming across critically and condemning. Um, You know, you might have a, a team member who their personality type, they need more validation, but because you're not giving them that validation, they don't feel valued. And if you would just tweak that just a little bit, they would shine. And that's the important part about knowing you and knowing your team, really getting a feel for how your team acts, how your team functions, um, what their strengths and weakness weaknesses are, what their motivators are.
1: So, how would you how would you, in terms of a weakness within a company or an individual, how would you define that perception being different than what they they're different than who they think they are.
0: It's not so much different it, as much as it is. Um, you may not have said or done something the most effective way Uh, for example i've got a lot of different people in my life um, both my business and my personal life that are my support network Mm -hmm. and i reach out to them for a lot of different reasons and um, there are some people that i reach out to that i know they're going to be blunt they're going to be honest and they're going to be direct and it's going to hurt and that's okay because i know i can handle it and we've already established the fact that if you need to say something to me don't beat around the bush, just say it even if it hurts. And there's other people in my life where they're going to say it's softer and more politically correct and and that's okay too and I can handle that. But if if they know me, and they do a lot of times, they're probably going to do the direct thing. And that's part of knowing your team, is really establishing, um, if is it okay for me to tell my boss, listen, I wish you had said it this way. Mm-hmm. Have you established that culture where the boss is open to receiving feedback from the team, to receiving constructive criticism from the team? Because often, if that is not actually laid on the table in any sort of honest way, the the team doesn't know where the boundaries are in terms of what they can say and how they can relate to their boss. Hmm. Just the
1: fact that they would pick up the phone and say "help" would indicate that they've got the number one trait that is required to affect a positive change, and that is being humble. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I think that's I think that's interesting. We've talked a lot about humility uh, in leadership and just coming to grips with the fact that maybe i don't know everything maybe i'm not doing it the best way i can uh so yeah i'm i'm open to uh some adjustment Mm -hmm. but again it's hard to change who you are so you've just got to get the right people around i would think that can can
0: gel that's correct and it's not necessarily changing who you are all the time sometimes it's just about adjusting what you're doing Mm -hmm. like i'm who i am who i am who i am it is it's who i am i'm not going to change but i can adjust what i say how i say it how i approach it um those are adjustments but it doesn't change who i am i'm simply more effective doing it this way rather than that way
1: last question and we're going to have to call it quits I, i can't i know you can't believe it's been 34 minutes but uh that's what happens on this show. It turns out to be fun. Um, so with what you do, what kind of groups benefit the most from, from your skill set?
0: I think as a whole, um, there's a lot of companies now because of the uh, edicts from federal government about health and wellness programs that have to be in small businesses of a certain size uh, i would be great for like a small business um lunch and learn for a corporate lunch and learn uh to come in and talk about the ceo mindset just to kind of strengthen and build that within their employees i'd be good for association meetings um you know, uh, different kinds of groups that have got monthly meetings or luncheons.
1: Yeah, I would think not for profit. I've always been told that not for profit is the toughest organization to try to lead.
0: Uh, it can be because you've got so many avenues. It, it's not like a profit where you come in, you lead your company and you're trying to make money with the nonprofits. There's a whole complexity around nonprofits. And, people are volunteers. It, and there are a lot of volunteers. And because they're volunteers, um, it's a little bit more challenging to figure that out.
1: Yeah. And, and I've discovered that in some not-for-profits that I've been involved with. It's a, it's a, everybody's got their opinion and idea and they're and then that's good Uh, you just have to be ready for it Mm -hmm. just have to be ready for it the ceo mindset i guess another way of um saying is you've got to be a leader within yourself we correct we we had a, a show just recently where we talked about how everybody is called to be a leader i agree and um Everybody's got that ability. We talked about whether leaders are born or whether they are created. I guess the jury's still out on that because everybody has some leadership skill within them and they need to grasp that.
0: I think it's a combination of everything, but even in the most remote place in the whole world, if it's just you, you still have to lead yourself. You still have to get up and and make decisions and Try and make decisions that are good for you, and just that alone makes you lead yourself towards something.
1: Well, um, that's the show, and I appreciate everything you've done, and the conversation's been great. Why don't you give some concluding thoughts?
0: I guess as a whole, I love working with uh, individuals, executives and leaders. Um, if you want to get a hold of me, feel free to jump onto my website. I've got a great, you know, just over two minute video if you want to get a glimpse of me. I
1: watched it, by the way, and it's a good video.
0: Uh, you can do it at begin2shift.com, mm-hmm. two is a T-O. Um, if you're interested in uh, talking a little about about coaching, um, whether it's personal or professional, love to have a conversation around that as well
1: you also have uh, an assessment that you can sign up for
0: yes it's called a, a ceo uh, assessment and it's basically uh from a book that i wrote called stuck to ceo uh if you're interested you can get it on amazon and it's about kind of determining where you are in the ceo mindset um shift pattern that i have
1: interesting how many books have you written um four four are they all out on amazon I believe so all right so everybody look for she chris you publish under chris Cavanaugh
0: correct and I just got married uh, into that late 2014 okay. which is what the Castro is All right,
1: so um, look under Chris Cavanaugh I'm sure it's some very good very very good uh, reading to do um, how else can they get a hold of you uh, email, prob- is- email
0: is Chris at begin to shift
1: okay and you've got a uh, chris is with a k yeah and um okay good well listen thanks for being on the show thanks for um, having me it was uh you know we learn something every every show don't we guys um and it's today i uh, you learn something about yourself you learn something about running businesses and um it's all all tends to come together in terms of um trying to be a better leader how important good leadership is, and how that focuses around the customer. We talk a lot about the customer on this show, but it was a good discussion today, and we'll do more of this. So that's our show for today. This has been On the Money, the number one small business show on Business Radio X. On the Money is presented by Embassy National Bank. Be sure to follow us at Twitter at on underscore the underscore money, and then the number one, uh, you can listen to any of our shows anytime by visiting onthemoney.businessradiox.com and go to iTunes and look us up. We can download the, the uh, shows there, the audio. Um, we do have video of the show out on YouTube, businessradiox.dash Gwinnett YouTube channel. And until next time, I'm Joe Moss and uh, got a couple things to always remember. One is be careful out there. It's a tough world. Leave fear in the back seat. At least be smart about it. And then um, stay authentic, we talk about, which is another way of being who you are, trying to live within that CEO mindset of who you are. So that's our show for today, and we'll see you next time.